Welcome to the Genuine Girl Podcast. I'm Meredith, a 22-year-old recent college graduate who's trying to navigate the post-grad world, successfully adult, and share my authentic experiences with you so that you feel less alone in your struggles while becoming more empowered to be yourself. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than my normal episodes because I am implementing a new segment into my show. I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I've had ample opportunity to get some ideas and inspiration for different ways that I can improve my podcast. And one of those ways is by implementing more fun segments into the show. So it's not just me diving deep into a topic and nothing else. So I'm going to start out today's episode with one, a little life update, because I want to implement those into each episode just to give you a little more flavor for who I am as a person. But two, and this is the new segment, I am going to be talking about my genuine gem of the week. And you might be like, girl, what in the world is a genuine gem? Like, did you just make up that title because it sounded good? And yeah, kind of. But the genuine gem segment is essentially going to be my chance to tell you one thing that happened to me this week, one thing I did this week that really aligned with who I am as a person and got me closer to my truest, most genuine self. I really wanted to implement this as a way to keep this podcast really positive, but also hold myself accountable for really doing things in my everyday life outside of the show that are true to me and that are genuine and authentic. And I think, you know, sometimes I forget that because I am definitely myself on this podcast, but sometimes when it comes to my everyday life, it's hard to be my true self in certain situations, and I think it's that way for everyone. So hopefully, by me sharing a little bit more of what I'm doing each week to be genuine and things that I can be proud of myself for, I can inspire you to start taking count of how you're being genuine in your life too, and maybe start documenting your own genuine gems each week. I would also love to, in the future, make this segment into a bigger, broader thing where it's not only me sharing my genuine gems of the week, but maybe you can share some of yours as well. So if you have any genuine gems, any moments from this past week or really from any time in the past that you can be proud of yourself for because you took a step out of your comfort zone, you did something scary, you did something uncomfortable, you were vulnerable, you were yourself let me know what that is. And if you're willing for me to talk about it in the podcast next week or in a future episode, I would love to do that. So maybe we can start making this a thing where I share my genuine gem and then maybe one of yours if anyone wants me to share them. So we'll see how it goes. Also, if anyone has a better name for this segment, let me know. I liked Genuine Gem because of the alliteration. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, genuine moment, genuine experience. I I don't know. Those just kind of sounded bad. So if someone has a better name, let me know. But for now, just because I need to give the segment a name, I'm going to call it Genuine Gem. So we're just going to go with that. Um, 
But before we get into it, let's go ahead and jump into the life update of the week. This week was a big week because if you listened to last episode, I started my first post-grad job and I am one week in and I did it, you guys. I made it one week. That is something to be proud of. (laughs) And honestly, I have so much to say about it. I'm not going to say everything I want to because that would take the whole episode, But just to give you a general sense of how I'm feeling, I am really excited and really hopeful about the job. I know last week I talked about how I'm trying to prepare for the job and I'm still preparing because it's only been a week of work and a lot of that was just orientation type of stuff. But there was so much that happened this week that just made me really hopeful for this job and working at this company. I think the first thing that makes me say that is that everything I heard this week really gave me confidence in the company I'm working for. I think when I was in college, I sometimes felt a little desperate for a job. I felt desperate to get internships. I felt desperate to get work experience of any kind. And so the company itself, I kind of was willing to just you know, not really even think about if I could just get a job and get something for my resume. And of course, at the end of the day, I did end up getting great experiences at great companies. But now that I'm actually working my full-time job, it's crazy because I cannot imagine not thinking about the company I'm working for uh, when looking at a job because it's already making a huge difference in my experience. The company I'm working for I kind of knew before starting, you know, it's a really well-known firm, it's very reputable, and it seems to be a good company, but this past week really showed me, wow, this company cares about its employees, it cares about its clients, it just really cares, and it is trying to make our experience a really good one, and that just means the world to me, you know, because I have had experiences where you know, companies haven't shown this level of care toward their employees, and it's already making a big difference. This company values work-life balance. It just has values that I really align with and a mission statement that I align with. And of course, it's only been one week, so I might just be really overly enthusiastic, but you know, it's better than being overly negative. So I'm excited because the company seems great. I'm also excited because as I learn more about my job, it just really seems like a great opportunity to grow. I'm going to get the opportunity to go through different departments of the business and lead in different capacities, whether that be on projects or actual teams of people, which is crazy to think I can actually lead teams of people after just graduating college, like that doesn't really feel right, but it also feels really exciting because these are the opportunities I've been really wanting and I just know they're going to help me grow so much professionally and hopefully personally as well. I feel like that was almost just like a little elevator pitch speech for my job, but I'm just really hopeful and honestly, it makes me so happy to say that because I have not felt this way about anything really going on in my life (laughs) for quite a while. You know, every semester I went back to school, I'm not going to say I was super excited or super hopeful. I tried, but if you've been listening to me long enough, you know my college experience was hard in many ways, and a lot of my podcast episodes in college were just, you know, struggles. Uh, So if you've been there that long, I just want to say thank you, and if you heard that noise, That was my cat jumping on top of my refrigerator. 
thank you so much for doing that while I am podcasting. See, she only does this when I'm busy and she knows it. Well, I'm not going to stop her at this point because I am already in to this episode. So sorry about that. You're just going to have to deal with the background noises. Anyway, I am just really trying to have a positive mindset about this whole thing and, of course, allow myself to feel the stress and the anxiety and the discomfort of starting a new job because that's also there. But overwhelmingly, I'm just excited and hopeful, and I hope that my positive energy can kind of radiate to you, whoever's listening, and give you a little positivity for your day. Okay, that's me off my soapbox now. Let's get into my genuine gem of the week. Woo! I'm excited. I think this is going to be a fun segment. And my genuine gem of the week really relates to what I was just talking about with my new job. I am really proud of myself this week because I was a little more authentic when I was meeting new people. I was not overthinking everything I said to people I was meeting for the first time. And I actually shared substantial information about myself with my peers. And I know to some people that might seem like a very obvious thing that you just do without second thought when you meet people. But for me, surprisingly, I am a very private person outside of this podcast. When I meet people in real life, I am very slow to share anything about myself. And it's not because I'm trying to withhold information. It just doesn't come naturally for me to talk about myself a ton. I just listen to what other people say and, you know, I might contribute here or there, but It might be weeks, months, years before even my friends know some pretty substantial stuff going on in my life. Um, For example, you know, this week meeting a ton of people at this job, there were a lot of icebreakers, a lot of fun facts, a lot of two truths and a lie games. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, And so I had the opportunity to either share some actual interesting information about myself or just share kind of surface level stuff that doesn't really give away who I am as a person. But I took the challenge and I actually shared with people, for example, I have a podcast. So if you're from work, hey, what's up? Thanks for listening. And I shared other stuff, you know, like I'm certified to teach yoga and all this random stuff that I would not normally tell people upon first meeting them. But I I took the leap and I tried it this week. And it was scary. It was uncomfortable because who knows how people will react? Who knows if people are going to be judging you, whether that be directly or silently. But I was so happy that the reactions I received were positive. No one reacted negatively to me, at least not to my face. You know, people might be judging. That's okay. But, you know, my worst fear of people just completely judging me, shutting me out, you know, whatever it may be. That, that did not come to life. People were supportive, people asked questions, and it gave me the space to ask them more questions. And we really got to know each other on a deeper level than we would have if I had just kind of stayed quiet or said some really you know, boring fact about myself that doesn't really make me any different from anyone else. So that's my genuine gem. That was the way that I stayed true to myself this week, and I'm proud of myself for that. So I hope that gives you some inspiration if you can relate to me in any way of not wanting to really share stuff about yourself sometimes, just go for it. Challenge yourself to do it next time you talk to someone new or are in a situation where you're asked to share. Because honestly, your worst fears will probably not come to life. And 
that leads me into today's topic. Imposter syndrome, everyone. Woo, yay. I know, it's... After all that positivity I just shared with you, imposter syndrome probably feels like we're doing a complete 180 because, let's be real, it's it's not an exciting topic. It is not something that is super positive, but it's real. And I'm going to try to put a positive spin on it because I don't want this to turn sad and negative and I want you to leave feeling inspired. I want you to leave feeling heard and seen and just empowered to actually take action because I know I'm not the only one who struggles with imposter syndrome. In fact, this episode topic idea came from one of you in the audience. So you know who you are. Thank you so much for this suggestion because when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's genius. How have I never talked about imposter syndrome on here? I mean, I'm sure I've mentioned it here or there, but I haven't actually made a whole episode devoted to the topic. And I think I know why. I've been doing some reflecting. I think I know why I have not talked much about imposter syndrome. But before I get into that reason, I want to start by sharing a definition of imposter syndrome because we throw around this term all the time. I'm sure you've heard it a ton. I've talked about it with people. I hear about it in every area of my life. But people are so quick to just throw around the term without really defining it. So I'm just going to tell you what Google says imposter syndrome is, and then I'm going to kind of tell you how I take that and have kind of made it into my own little definition. Okay. Google's definition of imposter syndrome is simply doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. So I think the feeling like a fraud part is what really differentiates imposter syndrome from a general lack of self-confidence. I think it takes a lack of self-confidence to another level. So if you have imposter syndrome, you're essentially saying, not only am I not confident in myself, but I really don't understand how anyone else could be confident in me. So it it's kind of like, you know, a little deeper than just, oh, I'm not good enough. It's like, oh, how do they think I'm good enough? They don't think I'm good enough. And really what imposter syndrome relates to from what I've seen is successes, accomplishments, achievements, things that you have in your life that you feel you're not deserving of. And I think this leads me to why I haven't talked about imposter syndrome in too much detail on the show up to this point. Because number one, by talking about my imposter syndrome, I also am kind of confronted with the challenge of talking about my successes, my accomplishments, things that I have in my life that, you know, I haven't really talked about much before. Of course, you guys know, like, you know I went to college, you know, many of you know what school I went to, many of you know what kind of jobs I've had, what job I have now, that kind of thing from a professional standpoint. I talk about it, but I don't really talk about it in a way that's like, here's what I have achieved, here's what I have in my life. And I think sometimes I'm uncomfortable talking about those things in the frame of mind of being accomplishments and successes because I think it could come off the wrong way. And especially when I talk about imposter syndrome in relation to these areas of my life, it could come off as me being ungrateful. If I say, you know, I don't think I'm deserving of this. I don't think anyone could ever think I'm deserving of this thing. 
it might come across as, oh, she needs to be a little more grateful for what she has. People would kill for this opportunity. People would kill for this thing. Uh, or, you know, on the other hand, if I talk about my successes in any capacity, people could take that to mean, oh, she's just bragging. Like, she needs to be a little more humble and not talk so openly about what she's achieved in her life. So I do worry about what people are going to think. And that's just the reality of it. I know this is genuine girl and I'm supposed to be real. And I am real. But, you know, it is hard sometimes when you have those fears of what people are going to think of you. So I just wanted to put that out there because I do not want it to come across like I'm ungrateful or that I'm bragging about anything I've accomplished in my life. I am going to talk about some of it today because it does relate to my imposter syndrome. I'm going to give examples of areas of my life in which I've struggled with imposter syndrome and how I've kind of started to try and overcome that imposter syndrome in those areas. But in doing so, I never want you to think that I'm ungrateful for those things or that I think I'm all that and I'm just bragging about those things. I have so much gratitude for everything I have in my life and I think that's something hard to explain, but hopefully you understand if you experience imposter syndrome, you can simultaneously feel grateful for what you have and undeserving. Like, it's a weird... I don't even know how to explain it, but it's like some days I feel a lot more gratitude. Some days I feel a lot more undeserving, but just because I feel imposter syndrome doesn't mean I can't acknowledge what I have and see creep is a good thing too. It goes back and forth, but the imposter syndrome definitely can creep in there and take away the gratitude sometimes. So I really have to keep it in check. Anyway, that is another rant. <laughs> I'm going to just get into it because I don't want to, you know, spend the whole episode defending myself, but <laughs> I just wanted to say that right off the bat. That's kind of why I haven't talked about it. But today we are being genuine and we are pushing past our fears. So let's talk about it. Okay, I'm going to give you, I guess, a few examples in my life of where imposter syndrome has hit me the hardest. And of course, you might not experience imposter syndrome in the same way I do, but hopefully hearing me talk about how I've experienced it can kind of make you feel a little more seen and heard and less alone because the truth is everyone I've talked to at our age and by our age I mean people in their 20s teens that kind of age range everyone has experienced imposter syndrome in some capacity but a lot of times you don't know it just looking at someone which I'll get more into that later but the first area of my life in which imposter syndrome has really taken a toll is school And I'm not a student anymore, but I am speaking to all the students out there when I talk about school because I know I still have a pretty big audience of students and I want you to feel seen and heard as well. I think school is school is hard. I mean, especially college, in my opinion. I think when I got to college, imposter syndrome really, really thrived for me. (laughs) And that's not a good thing. But I was very lucky to get into the college that I did, uh, to have the opportunities that I did at my school, to get into certain programs, to get into certain classes, um, all of these different things, you know. But 
I was also sur- surrounded by a group of very high achieving students, a group of people who I was just very inspired by. And comparison frequently creeped in, in my classes, even outside of school, basically in every area of life as it related to my college experience. And I often found myself questioning how I even got there in the first place, how I got to that school, how I got into XYZ program, how I even got a certain grade on a test or in a class, and even how I graduated. You know, sometimes I look back and I'm like, geez, how did I do that? Like, I didn't think I was good enough for that, (laughs) which sounds really dark and sad, but you know, it's the truth. I think my biggest problem in college was thinking everything that I had, every good thing that happened to me, every good grade I got, every opportunity I was granted was not due to my own hard work or intelligence. It was due to some external factor, some external mishap, really. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, when they admitted me to this college, they must have gotten the students mixed up. Like, Or they must have read something wrong on my resume because I don't know how they think I'm capable of this. I'm clearly not. Or even, you know, dang, I must have really faked my way through those essays because I I don't know how they were good enough for me to get in. Uh, you know, or even this one, this one hit me a lot. And I, I don't know why, but sometimes like in classes, I would think, oh, you know, these teachers must just feel bad for me. They must know that I'm struggling and that's why they're giving me an A on this test or this paper, which obviously isn't true. I mean, I don't think it's true. (laughs) If that was true, there would be other problems. But usually, especially with objective stuff, it's not like they have a choice to grade you based off of how badly they feel for you. But in my mind, I had all of these excuses that I was giving these people to help me succeed. And none of it related to me. None of it was like, oh yeah, I worked really hard for this. I am deserving of this grade, of this GPA, of this, of being at this school. It was just like, I I don't know, I guess I'm just lucky. And that, that really did not help me through college, I have to say. It had a very negative effect. I mean, I was able to push through, I was able to succeed, I was able to graduate, but when I just think back and think about how much more successful I could have actually been if I didn't have this imposter syndrome creeping in every time I was in class or taking a test or anything, I it makes me sad. I wish I didn't experience so much imposter syndrome in college because it did hold me back a little bit. It just tanked my self-confidence and that tanked my motivation to do certain things which decreased the quality of some of my work and it definitely made me even harder on myself which made me less willing or less likely to go out and do fun things outside of school because I thought I was already not doing enough inside of school and for my classes, so I just kept telling myself, I need to do more, I need to do more, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not getting good enough grades, I'm not working hard enough, I'm not doing this, and it just, it, I think, held me back from having a really good, well-rounded college experience, if that makes sense. So that makes me sad, but it's in the past, and I just wanted to say that because 
Imposter syndrome was a really big part of college for me, and I think it is for a lot of people, but, you know, we don't really talk about that in school. We just kind of deal with it and move on. So if you're going through that, if you're in college and you're feeling that imposter syndrome, please know you're not alone. And once I get into kind of what I've done to overcome imposter syndrome in a little bit here, hopefully you'll be able to take some things away with you to make it easier on yourself as you finish out your college experience. All right, let's get into the next area of my life where imposter syndrome has kind of run wild. And this one's kind of funny because I just started a new job. And historically, I would say imposter syndrome affected me in work environments, maybe even more than at school. And it's not like I've had a ton of work experience. I've certainly had internships and I've worked with a lot of different people at a lot of different companies. And again, very grateful for that. Awesome opportunities. But in those experiences, I felt imposter syndrome a lot. And I think it's because every new work experience I went into, I was new. I was kind of the baby. I wasn't even working there for a super long time. Most of these positions were temporary. And so I was learning stuff about the company, but I wasn't there for very long to know everything. And all the people I was working with had been there for years and years and years. So, you know, there were a lot of opportunities for imposter syndrome and it definitely, it definitely happened. I mean, even as soon as I got an internship, I remember there was one internship I got at a pretty big company a couple years ago that I was not even expecting to get. You know, I got a phone call asking, hey, do you want to interview for this position? It's during the school year. It would be X number of hours a week. It's at this company. And I was shocked because I hadn't been really applying for an internship during the school year. They had my resume from when I applied to a summer internship of theirs, what felt like forever ago. I kind of had them off my radar. And then all of a sudden I get this call and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, let me prepare for this interview. And then before I know it, I'm interviewing. And then I get a call saying I got this job and I was absolutely shocked. Okay. I, this was like a, not at all how I was expecting to spend a good portion of my junior year, but I wasn't, I wasn't mad about it. You know, it was great experience. It was a little extra money. It was a really big, well-known company. I was excited, but as soon as I got that job offer, I instantly found myself asking, how in the world did I get that? Like, I must have really faked my way through that interview because I know nothing about what this company does. I, I'm no expert in this space and I don't even know if I can do what they're asking me to. Like, I don't know what I said to give them the impression that I could do this, but somehow they hired me. It was nothing to do with me. Uh, they, they must have a mistake or they must have gotten this wrong. I, I don't have enough experience, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And that's sad because I... I just instantly went to that state of mind instead of, oh my gosh, I got this job. I'm so proud of myself. Like, I, you know, no, I didn't know I was capable of this, but I just proved to myself that I am and I am good enough for this. And I do have something that they're looking for. Woohoo. I wish I would have looked at it like that because if I had just kept that mindset from the beginning, I would have had an even better experience because I wouldn't have been going into this job feeling unworthy and feeling not enough. 
the fact that this happened from the moment I received the job offer, that just created a really long, hard road as I went through the internship because my lack of confidence stayed with me. My imposter syndrome stayed with me throughout the job. Even as I started learning things about the company, I always found myself thinking, like, I don't know what they see in me. I I don't know. I can't do this. Like, how do they think I can do this? And that definitely started to show in meetings and in presentations I was doing. I mean, I remember I had people telling me, like, why are you so, you know, unconfident? I mean, they didn't say that exact thing, but they were basically saying, you know, we can tell that you're not confident in yourself. We can tell that you don't think you know what you're talking about, but you do, and you do have good ideas, and we hired you for a reason. So start thinking of yourself in a positive light, you know? Don't just keep coming to this stuff like, oh, I don't know, the, uh, you know, I, I, this could be the answer, but it's probably not, and like, I don't really want to say what I'm thinking, blah, blah, blah. Like, be confident in yourself because it's going to help everyone if you are, and it's only going to help you succeed more in this internship. So, you know, it. I kind of knew it was bad when other people started commenting on it, and look, like, I never want to get to that point again. So I've been mindful of that. But still, in my internship last summer, it came across again. And I mean, it didn't come across as much to the people working at the company, I don't think, because I kind of learned from my past experiences. But I remember being in meetings sometimes, and I don't know if anyone has felt this before who is working or who has had an internship, but I'll, I'll be in a meeting where I have to present on something or I just have to answer a question with my opinion or my input on a certain project or whatever. And I am definitely like the most inexperienced one there. I don't really know what I'm talking about. And yet here I go having to answer these questions and put in my input talking about things that I don't know much about using acronyms that I just learned a few weeks ago. (laughs) And I am doing that. I am sharing my input and my opinion. And then all of a sudden, in the back of my mind, I start thinking to myself, like, Meredith, you have no idea what you're saying right now. You have no idea what you're doing. Like, why are you talking like this? Everyone's gonna know you are just dumb. Like, you have no good ideas. You have been here only a few weeks. What are you doing? And I found myself doing this during meetings where I was talking about things, sharing my ideas, and, you know, on the outside, just hopefully being a normal participant to a meeting, but on the inside, simultaneously thinking, you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. How could anyone be understanding this right now? And that's kind of scary when your mind kind of jumps in when you're in the middle of actually doing something and the imposter syndrome literally creeps in like mid-sentence. What are you supposed to do? It's hard because I got distracted by it a lot. And sometimes I would be talking and all of a sudden I would get kind of distracted by my imposter syndrome creeping in and I would stop talking or I would you know, suddenly get a little quiet and not really share everything I was going to because I scared myself. I was like believing that no one really knew what I was talking about or knew what I was saying. So that again affected my performance because 
maybe I did say a lot of good stuff and maybe they didn't really notice that anything happened, but you know, I could have said a lot more and I could have said it with some more confidence and really helped everyone involved if I hadn't let that imposter syndrome take over mid meeting. That was just something weird that happened to me a few times. So I wanted to share that as well. And I'm really hoping that doesn't happen again. Okay. Last area of my life that I want to talk about in regards to imposter syndrome. And Honestly, this one might be the biggest one of them all. It might surprise some people, but I feel immense imposter syndrome still in my friendships. And I know you're probably thinking, your friendships? What? Like, that's the last area you're supposed to be feeling imposter syndrome. Like, if you feel imposter syndrome about your friends, then, you know, you need new friends or whatever. Like, I I would say that to people too, you know, it's crazy when I say it because who's supposed to be feeling like an imposter around people who are supposedly their friends, but I just want to make it clear. It's not my friends who are the problem. It's totally me (laughs) because I have gotten it in my mind that I am sometimes just not good enough to be other people's friends. I think this really started in college because I was in an environment where I was surrounded by a lot of people who for lack of better term, looked very similar and came up in very similar backgrounds and just were very similar on the surface, I guess. And so when it comes to physical appearance, you know, that's something I struggle with finding confidence in. And when it came to friendships, I kind of got it in my mind early on that because I looked a little different, than a lot of people at my school, they wouldn't want to be my friend. And I know that other groups of people obviously struggle with this so much more than even I did. So I'm not trying to be, you know, blind to that, but just looking at these people who, I mean, they're beautiful, so no shade to any of them, but they were, you know, blonde, tall, tan, thin, like just this, I I don't even know how to explain it, but it's kind of that stereotypical definition of a girl who's very pretty and uh, well-liked and whatever you want to call it. There were a lot of those at my school. And, you know, I've never been the person who, I I don't want to say I look at physical appearance when making friends. I, I truly believe that about myself. Like, if that's one thing I can say confidently about myself, it's that you know, what you look like does not matter to me. I care about personality. And I'm sure a lot of other people would say that too. But I often got the impression from people I talked to that they didn't really want to be my friend. And just from the first time I talked to them. And I wasn't really sure why. But the first reason that I put to that was just physical appearance differences, because that was the most glaring and obvious difference between me and them. You know, I I felt really insecure because I thought, oh, well, they must not want to be my friend because I wouldn't look good in their Instagram pictures or, you know, I'm not as thin as they are and I ha- my skin is really pale compared to their beautiful tan goddess skin and whatever. I mean, I don't know. I almost felt like at my school that was what was considered pretty. That was what was considered cool in a way and if you wanted to have a lot of friends then you had to kind of fit that appearance Um, otherwise it was going to be harder for you 
Now, I could just be talking nonsense, okay? I could be the only one thinking this. I, I don't know, but I'm just saying it in case anyone else has felt that too. So I, I from the very beginning, struggled with that. And as I started making friends, that whole physical appearance thing kind of went away a little bit. I mean, I still feel it when I'm making new friends, but once I've made friends, it's like, okay, well, we've gotten past that barrier. They hopefully don't care what I look like because we're friends now. But even with my current friends, I still have moments where I wonder why they're my friends because I... I just feel like I'm not interesting enough. It, it then goes to the personality side, you know? I, you know, I, I don't have the same hobbies as them, or I don't have enough interesting stories to share when we hang out, or, you know, if I say something that I like, what if they just judge me or laugh at me or don't want to be my friend anymore? <laughs> it happens sometimes, and it's nothing on that other person. It's completely my issue, but because it doesn't matter who it is. Like any of my friends, I sometimes have this stress and this imposter syndrome because I think like, oh, they must just feel bad for me because I've struggled making friends in the past. They must not really like me for me. They must just kind of be faking being my friend because they want me to feel better about myself. They don't really like who I am. And that is obviously a sad way to think, but it is the truth of it. Like I think that sometimes. And you know, I have to continue proving to myself that that's not true by continuing to be vulnerable with people, by continuing to share things about myself and open up and just, you know, have real conversations with my friends. Because I think something I struggle with a lot, even with people who have become good friends, is really sharing stuff about myself. I, again, I like to listen to people talk about themselves because it's more comfortable for me. It keeps me safe in a way. But sometimes that does affect a friendship because if I'm not doing my part and sharing things about myself, then, you know, it's kind of, it, it's not a two-sided friendship. It's kind of one-sided. So anyway, that could be a whole different podcast episode, but that those are just a few ways that imposter syndrome has shown up in those friendships. So I want to kind of spin this episode now into a more positive <laughs> situation because that just got really dark and I want to talk about overcoming imposter syndrome in these different scenarios or in whatever scenario you might be facing it with in your life that that was not a complete sentence um but we're just gonna move forward now I'm I'm not just gonna sit here and give the basic advice to like change your thoughts be more positive see the good in yourself because I mean look that's all true but in practice, how easy is that to do? Probably not really easy. <laughs> and I just want to make it clear, I'm not coming at this from the perspective of an expert. This is something I'm working on every day. But these are a few things that have helped me kind of start to overcome my unfortunate tendencies toward imposter syndrome. Step one, become aware of your imposter syndrome. <laughs> Clearly, I have become aware of imposter syndrome in many areas of my life because I just shared them with you. But I think it's so underrated, you know? Everyone just always skips to, you know, what you do to get rid of imposter syndrome as if you already know every area of your life where it resides. But I think for a lot of us, actually sitting down and thinking and becoming aware of 
just how imposter syndrome is affecting us in our lives, it's an underrated step. I think some of us might assume that we just kind of know where we hold imposter syndrome, but when you sit down and think about it, you, you probably have imposter syndrome creeping in in areas of your life that you haven't really thought about. It might just be so habitual at this point that it's not something you consciously recognize, and it will take you sitting down, maybe brainstorming, writing things out, or just sitting with your thoughts for a little bit and truly identifying where imposter syndrome is affecting you. It sounds simple, but for me, just planning out this podcast episode gave me great clarity because, yeah, some of that that I just shared with you, I knew before you know, sitting down to record this, I would have been able to tell people if they asked me on the spot, but I uncovered a lot about myself, a lot of memories that I kind of had forgotten or had dug to the very depths of my brain. And I was able to uncover those and realize, wow, Meredith, this imposter syndrome is really affecting you at a deeper level. And I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have become that aware if I hadn't actually taken the time to sit down and think about it. So I encourage you, if you think you struggle with imposter syndrome, to maybe stop and think for a minute and just become aware. Because if you are aware of where it affects you, I think you're more likely to catch yourself when you do experience it. Like I said, if, if there's an area of your life where you experience imposter syndrome, but you don't really think about it, then how are you ever going to catch yourself and stop those thoughts when they happen? You have to be aware of it first. Second tip I have, and I'm just going to call this one, see what happens. So this is not really relating to the current imposter syndrome that you have, but more so how to prevent it from continuing in the future. Because like I said, you know, you can think positive thoughts about yourself all you want, but in the future, you're still going to struggle with imposter syndrome if you don't have these little tactics and tips and tools in your toolbox to help you prevent it from happening in the first place. So this tip, see what happens, is in relation to whatever situations you're in that kind of spark that imposter syndrome. See what happens when you go against the thoughts of imposter syndrome as soon as they start to creep up. So I'd like to think of this as an experiment. You can think of it however you want, but something I've been trying to do is just take one area of my life, like let's say work, okay? I don't want to experience imposter syndrome at work. So I'm going to see what happens if one day in a meeting where I have to share something with my boss, I'm gonna see what happens if I just openly share what I want to share with her, this research that I've found, this answer to a burning question she has, what's, what happens if I share that with her? Now, I'm going to be feeling imposter syndrome. I'm going to be feeling like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't think she's going to know what I'm talking about. But if I just push past that thought just that one time and see what happens, then my imposter syndrome might be proven wrong right in that instant. So let me just sh share that with my boss. And so let's say I do that and I share something I've been wanting to share with my boss, something scary, but something that I wanted to share. Then I can kind of assess the reaction. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Well, 
in my head before sharing, I might think, oh my gosh, I could get fired for this, or she could judge me forever, or I might never get a promotion, which all of those are very dramatic. (laughs) And assuming this is a lower stakes situation where she's just asking for an input on a project, for example, realistically speaking, none of those are going to happen as the worst case scenario. Worst case, she might say, okay, well, you know, thanks for the input, we might go a different direction. Or she might ask you to think about the problem differently. She might give you constructive criticism. Or, you know, if she's a mean boss, she might tell you, hey, you're wrong. But even then, she's probably not going to fire you. And if she does fire you for saying an opinion on a project that is very much professional and work-related, then you probably need to go somewhere else anyway. You know what I mean? But chances are, she's not going to say that. And I think an even higher chance of even her giving you that constructive criticism is her saying, wow, Meredith, that is a great idea. Or, wow, I never thought of it that way. Or even just, wow, thank you for your input, right? I think any of those possibilities are equally, if not more likely to happen when you just go against that thought of, I don't know what I'm doing and say what's on your mind. And if you do that enough, I mean, I'm just saying try it with one small thing first because that's easier than giving yourself this huge task of going against your thoughts of imposter syndrome every time you have to do something. But if you do it once and the worst possible outcome in your mind doesn't happen, you're almost training yourself to see like, hey, that wasn't that bad. Like that actually went well for me. I'm not a total fraud. Like she didn't think that there was something wrong with me and you can do it again and again and again and again and you see what i mean it kind of builds and builds into this habit hopefully one day where at some point you're not even going to have to think to see what happens you just do that thing and those imposter syndrome thoughts instantly get burned down and replaced by confident thoughts like hey i can do this i know what i'm talking about and even if they don't see that worst case you know I still tried and I can give myself credit for that and find another company or another friend who does see that and everything that I have to offer. So that is just my little tip. My third tip was just to practice, which I basically already said, you know, once you do this once, you can continue to do it over and over again. And hopefully it will become second nature one day. That's what I'm hoping for myself at least. So I know I kind of went over those tips quickly, but I wanted to be real and quick and to the point because I just, I, I really don't think it should be a hard thing. And yet it has become a hard thing for so many of us because we let imposter syndrome take over our minds. And we shouldn't because it negatively affects us, it affects others. And really, I think there's an easier way to live <laughs> if we just try and we see what happens. That's what I'm trying to do, and I'm going to keep sharing with you how it goes for me every week. Maybe they will be more of my genuine gym moments. Who knows? But if this episode resonated with you, I would love if you let me know. I love hearing from my audience. It seriously makes my entire life complete, so thank you. (laughs) And if you enjoyed the show, feel free to give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. It actually helps me a lot, helps me reach more people makes me feel good, you know, all the things. (laughs) 
and we are officially back on a weekly schedule so i will see you next sunday we have a very exciting guest coming i'm gonna have quite a few guest episodes coming up and i'm so excited i'll talk to you more about that as they kind of start happening and share with you the direction i'm thinking of this podcast going in but just get ready for that because the guests are lined up and i can't wait so Thank you for listening. And if you're experiencing imposter syndrome today, girl, just see what happens. Try to go against that thought, see what happens. And I can guarantee you, it's not going to be that worst case scenario that you have in your mind. Okay. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a great week. Stay genuine. And I will talk to you next Sunday. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're really feeling kind, give me a follow on Instagram and TikTok at underscore genuine girl underscore. See you next week.